Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Suns Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there and follow us here for Pittsburgh's content you won't want to miss. If you hate ref shows, this is the place for you. The Loyal Suns Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, presented by Section 5. My name is David, and I'm joined, as always, by Squid and Dylan, and we have a wonderful show for you today. Pitt sports writer for the Post-Gazette, Noah Hiles, called in to talk about basketball, and boy, did we. But before we cut to Noah very shortly, uh, is there any cleanup you guys have that we didn't cover, um, talking about the Virginia Tech game or the win midweek um, that you'd like to share with us? I think... We talked about it a little bit, but I think everyone needs to take a deep breath. It's okay. Pick, pick can lose. Pick can lose games. I know we don't like to face that reality, but luckily they put themselves in a good enough position where a loss doesn't knock them out of the tournament, especially a loss on the road against a pretty solid Virginia Tech team. So take a deep breath. Loss sucked, but we're still in good shape. Yeah, I guess we didn't even touch about the Boston College game. That was a big win. I mean, we blew the brakes off Boston College. Team looked as good as they've ever been, so don't forget that. That pit team still exists. Uh, VTech just had our number that night. You get kind of just tip the cap and move on to the next. Yeah, I mean, we are just minorly handicapped between fouls and not being able to shoot the three. Um, but uh, we, we can still do stuff. We did stuff against Boston College. But more importantly, from my perspective, it feels so good to be hurt again by Pitt basketball because there's nothing they could do for like the last six years to hurt me. And now they have that ability again. And we only got from point A to point B because they became good at basketball again. So you know what? There's a silver lining in everything. Yeah, I mean, this could be the last few years. This could be our seventh straight loss. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. We haven't lost in February yet. That's a huge step up from the last couple of years when we lost every February game. Yeah, so, you know, with that in mind, uh, everything is going to be okay. And uh, here's Noah to get way more in-depth and speak way more intelligently about what what happened yesterday than we possibly can, just the three of us. 
Please welcome to the show, Pitt Athletics beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Noah Hiles. Noah, how you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, I gotta say, I've been invited on like a lot of shows since I started you know, covering Pitt, but this was the invite I've been waiting for. I, I ran into a couple of you guys at a bar uh, during football Say the season. bar. Say the bar. Sloppy Joe's on Mount Washington. Uh, Hell yeah. A, a, you know, a classic little joint there, but... um. Yeah, I, I think I ran into Dylan, uh, and then I was like, you know, I, I would love to come on. And I'm not normally like a guy who's like thirsty to try to get on other people's shows, but this is this is the voice of the people. And you know, if I'm gonna build my brand as a pit reporter, I've gotta I've gotta intermingle with the with the with the real people who are in the trenches. You know, making the great memes on Twitter. You know, going to war with opposing fan bases. These are the people I need to get to know. And so I'm, I'm honored to be on. You came to the right place. Yes. I don't know. I think interacting with us can only make you dumber and worse at your job That's as like fine. an actual journalist. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be hanging around with us at too much, but you know, when you go to a great establishment like sloppy Joe's bound to run into some hooligans like us, you're going to run into someone because the place is like three feet wide. So true. Yeah. True. Yeah. So, um, before we get into Pitt's loss against Virginia Tech, their tournament outlook, all that good stuff, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell the uninitiated a little bit about yourself, your role at the Post Gazette, and uh, how you got here? Because you know you've you've worked with a couple local establishments, uh, you know, churning out athletics news. Yeah, I uh, so I'm I'm from Western Pennsylvania. I grew up in Washington County. Went to Burgettstown High School. Um, went to college at the University of Mount Union. Uh, Division three powerhouse. I, I, oh yeah, I, that's that's like my one thing they teach you. Know when you become a capital J, you can't have a rooting interest. But like I am a Mount Union stand. I go nuts for my Purple Raiders. They're currently ranked number four in the country in D three hoops. We lost the national championship in football. We're a basketball school now, so we're on to hoops. So we're gonna get that that first natty on the hardwood. But yeah, big Mount Union guy. Graduate, come back here. Uh, first couple of years at school, worked at pretty much every outlet in town, worked for KDKA, worked for 93.7 The Fan, um, The Trib, I wrote a little bit for the Beaver County Times, went to Canton, Ohio for a year where I was a news reporter. That year was 2020, not a great year to be a news reporter. Um, <laughs> came back here, wrote for DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, right when baseball started back up in July. Got real tired of working there very quickly. Left uh, for the Beaver County Times uh, in, I don't know, 2021 sometime. Stayed there for a little bit. You know, did some decent work in the Post-Gazette. Offered me the opportunity to cover Pitt Athletics. So I've, I've covered news. I've covered a lot of different high school, college, and professional sports. But, you know, college was always the goal for me. I've, I, I just always – I had Pitt season tickets growing up when I was little. My, my whole family is, like, still diehard Pitt fans. I kind of, like – got away from the fandom just when I was in high school. Cause they were so bad with, you know, the Ray Graham, Paul Chris era. And I'd root for the Whippeal guys to do well, but it was more just, I just loved watching all of March Madness. I loved watching all of college football, like all the bulls, all that. And I kind of always knew that's the route I wanted to go for my coverage. So when this pit athletics position opened and the opportunity to cover it with one of my best friends in the industry, Chris Carter, where, you know, you said, Hanging out with you guys will make me a little dumber. Well, it helps that, you know, my beat partner is a lawyer. So he's, he's got enough brains for the both of us. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been a dream since, since starting here in August. I mean, Pitt refuses to like be bad at really any sport that we cover. That's, that's one part of it. Um, and then the other is that part a coincidence? of it. 
Do you think uh, you're tied to the success? Uh, no, of the I definitely program? am not responsible for anything. I don't have any good luck associated with me in any in any way, shape, or form. They probably would have won the national championship if I wasn't on the beat, honestly. Ooh. But overall, it's it's just been a blast. And like the cool part about it with the PG, I mean, we're we're still the only outlet in town that really sends someone to every single thing. And so when Chris and I both started. They asked us, you know, they have him doing some Steelers coverage and stuff. So they were like, hey, do you want to do all the road games? And I was like, yeah. So, I mean, there was a point I moved into this apartment I'm in now in November, first week of November. I was not home for seven straight days until the first day or first week of 2023, just because I was on the road covering hoops, football, volleyball, and soccer. Also, I was at both of their final four matches. Um, and it's just awesome. I mean, getting to cover these teams, the storylines generate themselves. They, they happen to travel to like some of the coolest college campuses in the country and some really fun cities. And it's just been, it's just been a great ride so far. And now to top it all off, I'm on the loyal sons podcast. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's all downhill from here, fellas. I was going to say this, this might be the peak of, yeah. of your covering pit sports. Uh, so with doing all these different sports, for Pitt, uh, what what do you think has been the most fun? Is it this basketball team kind of showing a resurgence? Was was football season? I know there was a period of time where it probably wasn't very fun, but w- what's been the most fun for you? Uh, basketball, I would say. I mean, individually, like you just look at certain games, like the backyard brawl was unlike anything I've ever experienced. Simply, that, that's my first game I covered for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and like we're all Western Pennsylvania guys. You know how big that outlet is, right? And the history of it, like. I was in my dad's basement the other day, just moving boxes around. And we still have like old Steelers art, like post Gazette copies from when they win the, win the Super Bowls. And like, I read yeah. through those names and like, those guys are my coworkers now. Like, so that's yeah. cool. And so like when I'm watching that game unfold, it's like, you know, someone's going to keep the copy of from this backyard brawl. And like, I got to document that. Like how, how cool is that? So I, I actually have it in my uh, living room. I have it framed and like, it says like the pit six and everything. And, it's got Rodney and MJ Devonshire directing the band is like the main photo. And like, that's something that, you know, if the rest of my career is a complete and total failure, which probably will be the case, like I'll still have that moment. And the, the sun bowl is another one, but is just as far as, you know, an excellent game atmosphere and a very exciting contest to cover. But as far as like team, I went into this basketball season just being like, I hope this team is watchable. That's all I want. I, I, I don't care if they make it to the NIT. I don't care if they finish with a winning record. Those things will be fun. I was fully anticipating to be prepared to cover a coaching search in the offseason. Like that's, that's kind of the vibe that it was throughout the whole beat. And I remember watching the first game against UT Martin and Jim from uh, Panther Lair, former guest, I believe, on this show. Oh, friend of the, the show. Yeah, friend of the show came over to Chris and I and was like, um, "This isn't bad basketball." And we were like, "Yeah, like you know." And then a couple next next couple games were really bad basketball. But then since then, they they ever since they got back from Brooklyn, it's just been remarkable to cover. Every guy on the team has like his own unique personality. That's just so fun to really dive into, and I've I've tried to space out some features on different guys on the team and you know with with the season coming down the stretch i have some really cool stuff planned out in the next couple of weeks and it's just been fun getting to really know these guys you know document their journey and see all the highs and lows and 
really, I mean, they're shocking the entire country with what they're doing. Even if they don't win the ACC or, you know, go on this immaculate run, they turned around a program that was viewed by many as like unfixable. So it's, it's been really, really cool. I think something that we've all noticed is, Pitt fans is this is a really fun team to root for because all the guys on the team there's a lot of great answers but you mentioned there are a lot of fun features like we see the post-game interviews we see the the tweets that you send out who do you think is the most fun player to cover on this team Greg Elliott it's not even close I mean Blake is the most unintentionally funny person I might have ever covered (laughs) um like there's a clip I always like to use for when they were talking about like his steal at the end of the Syracuse game George pointed out Mikulowski from Pittsburgh Sports Now uh, to me. But then I, I tweeted every time there's a, a fight on the court. Uh, Blake was describing the play. He's like, I looked to my left and there was a tussle. And like that, that clip I think is like gold. But as far as like unintentionally funny or, or like intentionally funny or just, you know, someone who's really fun to talk to, Greg Elliott's fantastic. I mean, he could be someone, I mean, he doesn't have the, the stature to be like a Charles Barkley, but he has the personality to be that. And I think like he could very well have a future on the ACC network or maybe on a Marquette type of broadcast team or even at Pitt. I mean, I don't know if he's been here long enough for them to want to give him that type of opportunity, but he's got a future in media, if not coaching. I actually have a story coming out about him next week that I'm really, really excited about. I've got to talk to his former coaches from high school and college, his family, and he's just a really good dude. And he's just very funny and very articulate with the way he describes the game of basketball. He's awesome. That's cool. We're that's big. Cool. We got, oh, go ahead, David. No, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, that's cool. You said Greg Elliott, but I was also like when Squid asked who's the most fun to cover, you could have probably said five different guys, and I would yeah. have said, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Like I was fully expecting the Diaz Graham twins to be your answer. We were wait, we were waiting on they're, a twin story. They're great. I mean, all of them are great. I mean, Nelly's cool because like I started in the Beaver County Times, so like my career. So like I've known Brand. I covered Brandon's like first high school game, his little brother, and like I remember reading about like I I interviewed Nelly numerous times when he was at Colgate, just as like hit local guys playing in the March Madness or March Madness. So I've known Nelly for a while. I mean, Greg's great. Blake's great. Like Fetty is really, I mean, you couldn't get a word out of him when he came here originally, but now like he's really coming out of his shell. And I think that comes with his increased play on the court. Um, JB is, is a great interview. I mean, he's probably one of the more articulate interviews that I've had since I've joined this beat, but yeah, the twins, the twins are fun because you know, like you're going to, I, I don't I hope I don't lose my job or get fired in the next couple of years for many reasons. But the twins are someone you're like, I can't wait to watch these two develop into whatever they're going to be, you know, on and off the court. I think they're they're very you could just tell like the one game where they were both at the postgame podium was after Louisville at home. Capel the whole time is just sitting there, like he's like covering a smile. Like he they they make everyone smile. They're they're very goofy. They play with like so much joy and passion, and they're they're so much fun to cover on the court. But there's so much to uncover off the court, and and those are two guys I kind of want to you know let it organically develop. Like let's let's see them take on a bigger role. Let's let them learn a little bit better English, and then you know dive in because like there there are so many. That's a gold mine of content. Oh right yeah, there, and I yeah. can't wait to get to know them better. We think that they have like Steven Adams interview potential. 
Oh, yeah. Well, we were talking, uh, George, Chris, and I all drove back from Virginia Tech together, and we said a strategy for the offseason could to, could be just to send them back to Florida with Blake um, and let Blake <laughs> be, like, their Rocky trainer. Because, like, Blake just strikes – I don't know this for a fact, but Blake strikes me as a guy who probably just, like, does, like, five sets on bench, plays basketball for 10 hours a day, and then comes home and eats, like, an entire bag of frozen chicken and a whole box of brown rice. <laughs> and it's like, we just send them down to Florida with Blake. They're going to come back, like, talking with a southern drawl, have, like, tattoos and, like, buzz cuts. They're just going to be completely different uh, people. And they'll both probably be, like, all ACC. You know, maybe, like, a Steven Adams, like you said. That could be the training regimen, though. Just Jeff just buys them a one-way plane ticket down to – Daytona Beach or wherever Blake's from in that area, and yeah. they just hang out there. We're gonna send us down as a film crew so we can document the whole thing oh, and turn that, out like that a would be, end of year docu series. Yeah, I mean, I would love to document that one. I mean, I've got some pretty cool access, but like watching Blake like be the nutritionist for the Diaz Graham twins, like documenting that that I might get me a Pulitzer Prize. So that would be dope. <laughs> We literally were saying the one day that like Blake hits him, didn't play basketball for two years, and he looks like all he did was go to the gym, shoot threes, lift, and eat. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the Diaz Grams twins need for an offseason. Right. Yeah. And 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 the, the Blake's just so damn funny, man. Like the the one day he casually just talked about his football career. And I don't know if you read the story. I read, like I talked to his high school coach, and he was like, no, he wasn't just good. He was the number one tight end in the country when he was like a junior in high school. Wasn't he committed to Florida State for a second? Yeah, No, he had an offer from Florida State when he was in eighth grade for both sports. That, that's what it was, eighth yes. grade. And so did same for Miami, but then Georgia offered him. We were trying to get him to talk about it, and he was like giving us short answers like, I have more, I have more football offers than basketball offers. We're like, what does that mean? Because, like, yeah, like, I just love basketball. Ball. It's like, yeah, and then the he, discussion of going to Georgia for football. Yeah, and his, like his huddle that some people posted, that's just from his eighth grade year when he played varsity football as an eighth grader in Florida. Is that legal? I, so yeah, he went to like a smaller private high school. Okay, and um, he had like fifteen touchdown catches or something as this Jesus little eighth grader. Christ. They called him Easy Money, and he just wouldn't talk about it. Like he was like, yeah, it was all right. And there, and then we asked like JB about. It. He's like, "Oh yeah, he still thinks he could be in the NFL." And then, um, yeah, just what a guy. I mean, he's. I still think he could probably, like, I don't know what his NBA future. I'm not an NBA scout. Can't predict what will happen with Blake and his future in basketball. But just his build, he'd be worth taking a seventh round pick on at tight end. I mean, he's he's a big dude and he's very athletic. Blake Henson with a. Uh... Who, who was it? Jimmy Graham played basketball. Antonio Miami. Gates. Antonio yeah, Gates. Gates. Yeah. Lally Cox. Now he. Did he even He's play the new football? one. Yeah. Yeah, that would be another. Honestly, I'm I'm getting excited thinking about pairing Blake Henson next to Gavin Bartholomew in a two tight end set. But That's, I mean, what's dudes doing? Like you've got <laughs> this guy on your campus. Like what do you? Pat's just sitting here too busy going on Sirius XM radio. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> calling the NCAA clowns. But no, I mean, for real, though, like, Blake could be a stud football player, I think, if even if not playing. I mean, he didn't play basketball for two years, and look how good he is at this sport this year. So, I mean, maybe sitting out makes him better at football, too. 
Yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know what his NBA prospects are, but yeah, I mean, get taking a shot at football, worst case scenario, it doesn't work. And then you get to do that sweet thing that basketball players do where you can just play in a bunch of really cool countries and be like a god over there. Mm-hmm. Like we had Chevy Troutman on yeah. uh, and we didn't get to talk about his his foreign career much, but he just played in like seven different countries that I would really like to live. And he just got paid to do that and play basketball. And I imagine the pressure wasn't all that high. I think that that is a sweet setup too. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would do that. Like, even if they were paying, like, imagine what you guys get paid to do your jobs now. Like, you know, you just get paid a, a standard wage, but like, instead your job was to travel the Europe and play basketball. Like that's still not that gig. I don't think. And then you come home yeah. of an America in the off season. If only we were all twice as tall as we currently are and had hand-eye coordination. Right, right. Unfortunate. Unfortunate, yep. So we've, Speaking we... of unfortunate. <laughs> There's the segue. No. Fit lost for the first time in a while. We can't filibuster any longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here comes a dark cloud. I know. So how, yeah. was, how was Castle? Because we talked a little bit before we hit the record button and you said it was electric in there. Oh, yeah. Um, so first thing I didn't know is you think Anders Sandman for uh, Virginia Tech, you think the football games, right? But something really cool that they did was they play Anders Sandman right after the starting lineups are announced, like leading up to the jump ball. And they time it perfectly where the jump ball tips off right when the lyrics kick on. And it's kind of like a European soccer thing where the entire state, the entire arena sings the first verse of Enter Sandman while the game's going on. No wonder we lost. And like, it was unreal. I had no idea they did that. And then as soon as Virginia Tech scores its first bucket, they like stop wherever they're at in the song and start cheering. But yeah, it was cool. I I mean, I've I've had the chance to cover some really cool games in different venues. I, I still think Cameron Indoor's number one. Um, but that's, that's up there, man. I mean, especially considering like Virginia tech's not that good this year. I mean, they had, they had some high hopes. I think they're a very talented team. Um, but they're having a, a disappointing season, I think for their standards and the fact that they still packed that building, it was loud and they played Pitt really well. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was tough if you were a Pitt fan and made the trip down there, but I, I, I look forward to the next chance I get to go back to that campus. I mean, it's, it's a really cool town. Yeah. We've always heard really good stuff about, uh, Blacksburg. So, you know, I think, I think there was a decent amount of nerve going into this game that it felt like one, the Panthers could drop. They've been on the hot streak, but we knew Virginia tech, especially, you know, in terms of fans would be bringing it, uh, and we we slipped up. Can you can you help us understand why? Because I think we were too we were all seeing red from all of the uh, the moments of frustration to really I think analyze why Pitt lost. So can you tell us what the hell happened? I just think I mean that game meant more to Virginia Tech than it did to Pitt, and that's not to say that Pitt didn't come out you know ready to play. I think it's just Virginia Tech's desperate. Uh, and, and and it really needed to win that one. It's a weekend home game, so it had a it had a ruckus crowd. And I loved how the Hokies game planned the Panthers. The Panthers, I mean, let's be real, Pitt hasn't played a good team in a while. The last couple of 
you know, opponents they face are at the bottom of the barrel ACC opponents, Boston Colleges, Florida State's, Louisville's. So, I mean, that's the first time they've faced a, a competent basketball team in like almost two weeks. So when when you when you have that easier stretch in a schedule and you're in the month of February, it's it's difficult to get you know to adjust to when you actually get punched in the mouth on the road and you know there there's no shame in that loss. I mean they they entered that as a five point underdog I think, um, and like I said before I just think that that's a game that Virginia Tech knew it had to win. It was desperate. Pitt still has a lot of a lot of room until you know we start worrying about the bubble status again or anything in my opinion and you know it's it what I'm more concerned about if I'm pit is the way it lost because I think that was the best that's probably the first time Jeff Cable got out coached in maybe the entire season yeah you you mentioned that uh Virginia Tech came in with a game plan um what we definitely noticed was the uh lack of three pointers pit shot. It looked like Virginia tech was trying to completely take that massive chunk of Pitt's playing style out. How were they able to keep Pitt from getting hot beyond the arc? They or just even taking shots. Yeah. They, they just guarded that perimeter for their lives. I, I, I said, I think earlier uh, in the week, I, I just mentioned, you know, cause some people were saying like, just, chatter in the press box or whatever like you know they should really get Fetty more involved and I said well if Fetty's ever leading the team in scoring this year that's a bad thing because that's not how this team's built to win and I looked at the the stats like midway through the first half and I was like oh he's their leading scorer like that that's that explains exactly what's going wrong here they just they camped out on that perimeter to the point where they were even contesting Fetty you know when he would get the ball at the top of the key like they, it wasn't like a let them shoot. Their their clear objective was do not let them breathe, and it, and it started at half court and it went all the way to the arc. And you look like Blake didn't even have a chance to you know shoot his one or two Steph Curry range type threes that he likes to take a game. They they, they put all that pressure there, and not only did it take Pitt out of its rhythm from the three ball, which when it shoots threes, it's really hard to beat. It, it forced it to take tough shots from that area and it forced bad ball movement. And when Pitt's not shooting well and it's not moving the basketball well, everything is thrown off. It's been able to win when one of those two things aren't happening. There's been games where it wasn't efficient, but it just shot so well. I look at a game like Wake Forest um, where it's just like, it didn't matter what was happening. They're just They're just going to make everything they throw up today. And that that's going to win. There's other times where the shots aren't falling from the outside, but they're they're playing an efficient style of basketball, like the win against North Carolina at home, where they can just get they can get to the rack with Jamarius and score that way. But I think the the applied pressure on the perimeter, and then you add in the fact that four starters had four fouls in that game, um, that's a perfect storm for everything to go wrong for the Panthers. And I think the rest of the year they're going to be fighting to find a way to beat that blueprint because I think that that's Virginia tech showed you need to take away that perimeter. You need to play them aggressive, try to get them in foul trouble. That's how you beat this pit team. And now Pitt, with what I think is the ACC coach of the year and has a good staff behind them. They're, they're going to have to sit down and really figure out how do we not allow that to happen again? I don't have the answer for that. Yeah, I think I, I kind of worried the same thing after the game, like obviously the initial 
disappointment was ah uh, we lost lost our losing or our winning streak whatever but then it was like i kind of think virginia tech found something that other teams are going to be able to look at there mm-hmm. um with with like with you said with the blueprint um but also there started to be some some of those pit fans who were coming out of the woodwork or pit fans i'm going to put that in quotation marks yeah. the people who love to rag on capel and can't admit that they're having a great year, but I saw people start to come out of the woodwork a little bit and say, this is where the wheels are going to fall off. Um, is, do you think in your eyes, is there any concern to you that Pitt could drop a couple in the, in this next stretch and maybe play their way out of the tournament? No, I mean, when we were talking about not, we like, we didn't talk about this, but yeah. you know, I, I, I look at the North Carolina, the second North Carolina win is kind of like a checkpoint because they had that stretch where they had to play Wake Forest, Miami and UNC and it's like, wow, they got to find a way to win one of those games. Well, they won all three of them. And then after that, it's like, oh, well, look at the remaining calendar. If they can go six and two, they're going to be in really good shape. Well, it's like, that's kind of how things are playing out. Like yeah. six and two means they have to lose one of these games. They don't just run the table. Like they're doing fine. And and this was this is one of the games where I, I, I've always said when you looked at after that North Carolina game, well, they have eight games left, only two quad one opponents. It's a quad one loss on the road to the defending ACC champion. It's okay, guys. Like, it's it's going to be all right. Now, if, if, if it loses Tuesday, we have a different conversation on our hands. But the thing about this pit team is, if excluding the one loss to Florida State, it doesn't play with its food. It, it, it sees a bad opponent. It takes care of business. It gets the twins out there. It gets the standing ovation for Fish. He comes out in the final media break, and I'm writing my game story, and I'm filing it at the buzzer on time. It's the it's rinse and repeat type of recipe. I think that's what we can expect Tuesday. Saturday, I would expect a, a similar atmosphere to what I experienced in Blacksburg to be in Oakland uh, with, with that energy, and that's going to play a difference on what will otherwise, I think, be a, a tightly contested game. Um but yeah, this this is this is the ideal recovery week for Pitt. You know, if it had Miami up next after Virginia Tech, I think maybe yeah, there'd be a reason to be a little concerned. But it's not a bad loss. It's just not, and I don't expect it to hurt its bracketology or whatever you want to when you want to call it. It's still like a game out of first place in the ACC, and it still has the most favorable schedule out of any team competing for the regular season title. Yeah, I'm just going to spin this. I'm not upset anymore. This is a good thing because it's a wake-up call. Uh, the coaching staff, the players can look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, if this happens, how do we respond? Uh, we all knew Pitt wasn't going to win like 12 straight. We weren't going to win out, win the ACC, then make a Sweet 16 run. So if we're going to slip up, might as well be against a good opponent with a good uh, opportunity to learn from it. Right, yeah. and, and this is the time. I, I think something that Jeff – talk to us after the game really stood out to me. He said, this, this isn't something that they showed on tape, Virginia tech. So this was something they, they clearly devised as a way that this is how we can beat Pitt, Right. So it's better that this shows up now in mid February than it does when we're in Greensboro or, you know, in March, right. They have time to, to figure this out. And again, they have a nice little recovery game on Tuesday against a really bad Georgia tech team who they can try all they want to do what Virginia tech did, but they don't have the the horses to execute that plan. So I think that the Panthers now they've, they've seen a, a kind of a different defensive look that no other team has showed. They can expect some different iterations of that 
throughout the rest of the year. But now they have time to, to, to digest it and plan and maybe a little bit of even a reminder like, hey, any team can beat you. You know, like don't get too don't get too high. Don't get too low. And they've done a really good job of doing that all year long. So this is acceptance. We have we have reached the final stage of grief. Yeah. It is 640 on Sunday, about uh, almost 24 hours exactly since the game ended. This is the quickest we have processed grief for a big pit loss in a long time. Noah, thank you so much. You're like a a therapist. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, were you guys beat up about that loss? I mean, I didn't think. I mean, that was just an ugly game. Not beat up, just You're going to have that in in basketball. You're going to have ugly loss every now and then. If this loss happened at any point over the last, like, six seasons, that would be one of Pitt's, like, top ten best games of the year. (laughs) So I can sweep it under the rug and gain forget it happened the fact that we don't uh do the whole moral victory thing anymore is this is a very big step for us being sad about basketball feels so good again (laughs) yeah i was mentally preparing for a loss i i hate to do like the before the game i don't think we're gonna win this one but when vegas starts coming out and shows us as five and a half point dogs vegas usually knows what they're doing and when i see pit fans saying oh, this is a great opportunity to take Pitt. I'm just like, yep, this is exactly how they build a city in the desert. I cannot tell you how – I got at least three DMs from Pitt fans on Twitter, which, like, don't ever come to me for gambling advice. I'm horrible. <laughs> you can follow my burner Maybe. account, though, for gambling picks, at Fade Noah. Um, <laughs> I'm doing all right this year. But anyway, people are saying, why shouldn't I put the house on Pitt? I'm like – don't ask me that question. I'm not held liable for your finances at all. But I just said, I mean, Vegas always knows, man. Like the house, the house always knows. And uh, also, I, 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 you know, you guys are being open and honest here. I, I think I need to be accountable. We're a brown blazer to the game. It's now 0-3 for pit basketball games. So I apologize. Throw it in the trash. But Burn it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wore it to the backyard brawl uh, for mm. football, and I wore it to the Sun Bowl. So maybe just keep it for the so- fall. We busted out in the fall, yeah. Right, 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 right. I've got, I've got a wide wardrobe, so we'll, 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 mm. we'll, we'll keep it on rotation. Unless, like, you know, if they're driving me all over the country and doing well, and I get tired, and I just want to be home. Maybe I'll just pack it up, and that way we can call it a season. And yeah, then, I'm pretty torn. Right. No, <laughs> <laughs> I bought this vintage pit basketball shirt. It has a little like Big East patch on the sleeve, so it's sweet, but. There's a hole in the middle of it. The collar is frayed. There's like these weird pit stains. So I feel really bad, like wearing out in public. I look like a hobo, but I've worn throw, it to like throw four a, pit wins. Throw yeah, a flannel, the flannel on top of it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, that's the move now. But like the oh, hole beautiful. is getting bigger and bigger. That's like right by my belly button. So uh, if we lose a game while well, I wear that in the Pete, it's, it's done forever. But as long as we keep winning, I got to. Oh yeah, you can't wash it or anything. No, like when no, no. when you uh, you guys have those lucky things where yes. you know you yeah you got you gotta. I had a lucky polo, uh, but I got puked on like really bad walking into the backyard brawl this year for <laughs> by someone I did not know. So that that uh met its final resting place on September first last year. R.I.P. Yeah, it's a hell of a way to go. No, if we see the brown blazer. Uh, on Tuesday or Saturday at the peak, we're gonna have an issue. That's, oh that's no, it's saying. it's it's got to go to the dry cleaners out on uh, little, you guys are North Hills guys, little Dutch girls, uh, cleaner on McKnight Road. <laughs> they do a good job. 
And if you wear it and they lose again, it's going to the dry cleaner in the sky. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'll keep it for football season. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the tournament because Pitt is going to be in that this year. Uh, if you had to pick, obviously you want the higher seeds, um, but is there a sweet spot you think I've heard for, for Pitt to end up? Because I've heard some people saying like, actually, I'd rather be like a 10 and have to worry about a seven and a two as opposed to, you know, sneaking as an eight and have to worry about like Purdue after yeah, a big I, win. I, I think Pitt matches up favorably against Purdue. I was going to say, I, I think an eight seed might be Pitt's best bet. Um, just because, I mean, if you get the seven or the 10, then you probably got to go against the two and then the three, uh, in the next couple of rounds. Whereas, you know, at eight, nine, you're looking at a game against a, a Duke or an NC state, you know, teams, those caliber Pitts played those borderline ranked opponents pretty well this year. So that's a favorable matchup. And then you look around that, the one seats, I mean, Houston, I think is very comparable to Virginia who team Pitt beat. Uh, there, there are other teams like I think UCLA, probably not a great matchup for the Panthers, but I don't know. I mean, for a while, I thought a team like Purdue who has a dominant big man might be like the one thing you want to avoid if you're pit in March, but based upon how Fetty's played defense recently, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I think that Pitt, it all depends really if Pitt can get hot from three, right? Like that's. That's going to be the difference. If they could string together four games in a row in March where they can shoot the lights out, the team could go as far as it, as anyone. But if it has a bad game from the floor, it's in trouble. It's not saying it can't win, but, you know, I think if, if Pitt plays its A game, it can beat pretty much any one seed aside from, you know, there, like I said, there's certain matchups. Don't like how UCLA matches up against Pitt. Uh, I don't like um, who else? Maybe Alabama's Baylor. tough I, one. Alabama's tough. Yeah, I don't know who they'd put on Miller. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Kansas would probably be another difficult one. But teams like Houston, teams like Purdue, who I, I don't think are slouch opponents. I just think that the Panthers could handle their own against them. So maybe an eight. I don't know. For me personally, I'm just worried about the host city. I don't want to go to Iowa. That's <laughs> that's what that everyone's going to be reacting to the bracket or whatever. I wish they had a little camera on the media. When it shows we don't have to go to freaking Birmingham or Des Moines. And it's like, yeah, we're going to Denver. Tiger Woods fist pump. Yeah, like we're going to be going nuts. Exactly. So who would react more? The basketball team getting a seven seed or you, Chris, Jim, and whoever else finding out you're going to Denver? Denver, Sacramento, or Orlando would be great. And also, my birthday is March 16th. So there's a very good chance either Pitt is playing in the first round on my birthday or they're playing in the first round on St. Patrick's Day, which will allow for me to party in a city the night before the game on my birthday or cover a pit game and then enjoy St. Patrick's Day on the road the following day. So I'm excited, and it would be really shitty if I had to do that in Iowa. So, so to answer that question, you would be more excited than the basketball team correct, themselves? Correct, correct, okay. yes. I, I can't show that because, you know, no cheering in the press box, professionalism only, capital J here. Uh, but... <laughs> no, I, I would be very pumped. 
do any of those cities have like a big St. Patrick's Day celebration? It's not like you can go like there's no games in Chicago, right? Right. I mean, I don't I don't know. I'd have to imagine like Denver probably would have something. I mean, it's just like a fun city in general. Orlando, I'm sure. I, I don't know. We could. Fi- I'm not I'm not hard pressed on finding a good time on the road. I, I, I've, I've figured out how to do that uh, this this year time and time again. And I think I'll, I'll continue to make that happen. Before we move on, uh, we got to clip this entire thing and send it to old takes exposed if pitches loses on like Tuesday and Saturday, and then we're just like NIT one seed. You know what? Like, isn't the NIT final and you guys don't want to hear this at all, but like the NIT finals (laughs) at MSG, that'd be kind of cool to cover for me too. I don't know. I know you guys, again, you don't want to hear that at all, but. Yeah, a lot of good that does us. Yeah, I know. Hey, man, I get paid regardless of how they do. I'm just here to write the (laughs) stories. Enough, enough of the losing talk. I, All right. This is going down a bad path. I, I did look up top uh, St. Patrick's Day parade cities to celebrate, and Denver showed up at number three on this list. So gotta love that. In good shape there. All Be right, let's shape. go. Let's go. So do you so. do you think that eight seed is sorry to take us away from St. Patrick's Day, which is what we should all be getting <laughs> right. psyched about right now? Uh, but do you think that eight seed is kind of their ceiling right now? Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think if Pitt wins out, you're going to – I think if Pitt wins out, it probably wins the ACC regular season or at least gets a split. You look, it'll finish on a four-game win streak with a capping off with a win over probably a ranked Miami team on the road. That might get it ranked. I know we don't like to talk about that. Uh, by the way, I don't have a vote. I have no control over that, no say. Um we were gonna actually gonna ask, but no, we can we can we can talk about that if you want. But uh, no, I, I think that if Pitt wins out, it'll probably be ranked, and I I don't know. Like I think the ceiling for this team's like a six seed, because if Pitt, if Pitt finishes tied for the win in the regular season for the ACC and gets to the ACC final, or even I mean if it wins the ACC regular season and wins the tournament, basically if Pitt wins out from here until March Madness. I think even a five seed would be possible. That's like the absolute highest ceiling. Don't Stop. know if that's going to happen. Don't know if that's going to happen. That would take a lot. That would take a lot. But I mean, <clears throat> let's go through the resume though at that point in time. If it's going to finish 4-0 and in the regular season, that includes a road win over Miami. It's going to win the ACC tournament. That would include another win over a team like a bubble team, like a Wake Forest, a Syracuse, a North Carolina. Then you'd have to beat at least two or three more tournament teams to win it or two more tournament teams to win that tournament. So I, I do think that, yeah, you could see a five or a six if all goes well. Now, I think realistically, you're looking at a seven or eight. Seven or an eight for Pitt, based on how I think it'll finish. I think it'll probably lose one more game throughout the regular season. Um, probably that Miami one. I think it'll probably win at least one ACC tournament. Finishes with around 23 wins. Probably looking at like an eight or a nine. Maybe a seven, depending on how well it does in the tournament. You you got me a little little hot and bothered talking yeah. about a five seed and double ACC championship. I didn't like that. Hey, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to you know get the people going. <laughs> you succeeded. Yeah. You you mentioned the rankings. Do you, do you like us feel that Pitt's kind of been getting the short end of the stick from both pollsters and computers? So uh, I have a story coming out. I think it's going to come out tomorrow. I interviewed Ken Pomeroy. Uh, Friday. Wow. I basically asked him, I was like, why? Nerd. <laughs> my, all of my, all of my followers <laughs> want to know why you hate Pitt. 
And I, I think I said that exact quote to him. And he was like, I don't hate Pitt. My algorithm hates Pitt or something. His words, they're not, he's not going to make any friends in Pittsburgh based on the quotes that he gave me. And he just kind of sticks with his algorithm. He argues it's like all about efficiency, which I still don't get. I think Pitt's a pretty efficient team on both ends of the floor. Uh, but for one reason or another, I, it, it just comes down to people think the ACC stinks and Pitt's wins mean less and its losses mean more because of that. Um, you could you could point to how the ACC did poorly in non-conference. However, when as as Capel pointed out when I asked him about it on Thursday, it was like we had an organized event where we played another Power Five conference and we won more games than we lost. So I don't understand the divide there. I I do think you could boil, really boil it down to Duke and North Carolina aren't playing well this year at all, and it hurts the conference. I mean, look at it in other sports. Imagine how the Big Ten would be viewed in football if Ohio State and Michigan both sucked the same year. Right? We would all think the same thing. We'd think, oh, the Big Ten sucks. Doesn't matter what Michigan State or Wisconsin or whoever else was doing that year. It was, oh, the Big Ten sucks. And that might not be the case. And I get that that's a different sport with a shorter schedule, but that's what happens when you play in a league that's traditionally dominated by two blue bloods. When they're not doing well, the rest of the league kind of suffers because of it. And it's a harsh reality, but the good thing is, there's going to be plenty of teams that get into March. This league produced three of the final eight teams standing last year. I think there's multiple teams in this league that are capable of going to at least this week 16 or further this year. And I think Pitt might be one of them. Wow. That works for me. I, I also was uh, going to bring up the Jeff Cable quote about the, the Big Ten ACC challenge because the Big Ten is just so good this year that – uh, they lost the ACC, and then I'm sure it happened. I think the same thing happened last year. What did the ACC get? Three out of the eight elite eight yeah, teams. Yeah, it had Miami, Duke, and North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, story all year was how how the ACC was down and it wasn't any good. And well, the Big Ten had the most, good. but they all folded in round one and two. Yeah, and you know, like the Big Ten. To me, I think the Big Ten's nowhere near the top right now. I mean, I think the Big Twelve is without question the best league. I mean, it has the two, you know. I, I don't know if uh, every team in the Big 12 could win the ACC, though. I, don't, I think that's a different mm-hmm. conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But, hey, you know, those people have a, struggles with words in that state anyway, so it is what it is. But, yeah, <laughs> so the Big the Big 10, though, I mean, there's, there's times where you would see, like, Purdue ranked number one, right? And then there wouldn't be another Big 10 team ranked 2 through 25. So how in the world is – Purdue, number one in the country, if all they're doing is beating up on bad teams, because that's what the rankings would indicate, right? Now you're seeing a little bit more. I mean, you'll probably see Northwestern in the rankings this this next week, and Indiana is really hitting its stride as a team and a couple of other programs. But I don't know, man. I, it's, it's weird. It's weird how these conferences have these biases. I think that I, I haven't ever voted for an AP poll yet. Uh, I probably will soon, hopefully. Um I try to watch as much basketball as I can. And I try to read, not just, I do follow Ken Palm, follow the net, the RPI, all that stuff. But I do also, I try to read just work from beat reporters like myself who cover these teams that are on the fringe, the fringe, the the Northwesterns, the Missouris, or even the powerful teams that aren't doing well. When a Gonzaga starts to fall off, well, why, why are they falling off? I I think it's just doing your due diligence 
I don't know if every voter does its due, its due diligence, and that might be another reason why. But, I mean, it's not a perfect system. And at the end of the day, I mean, March Madness always delivers. You know, like, there, there there's going to be fun storylines regardless. I can't remember a time where I, I watched one shining moment and think, wow, that team really sucked as it hosted the, the championship trophy. So, like, it's all going to figure itself out in the end. So if you get a uh, an AP vote, what would it take to let the Loyal Suns submit one ballot one week? I don't know about one ballot, but we could do a group uh, AP if you're if you're watching. Oh. Turn this off. Um, I, I'm not opposed <laughs> to gathering at Archie's and maybe doing a group consultation. I think as 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 Jeff Capel said um, when we were asking him about his assistant coaches, he said the nice thing about being the head coach is you get final say. I think I might take the role of Jeff Capel in that consultation, but we could head down to Archie's, maybe uh, order a picture or two, and 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 I, I would I would at least listen to what the Loyal Suns have to say. As I will come with a binder full of anti Big Ten propaganda. Uh, listen, like you guys could pitch me, like uh, like you know, get a little projector. We can make it a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably shouldn't advertise it. Maybe that wouldn't result in me. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we need to record this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could. I don't know. I, and I don't know how close I, I, ideally I'd like to have one soon, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for it at the end of the day. Like I'm going to vote for what I think, but I, I do think that, you know, just limiting your own thoughts. I, I think it's good to get different perspectives on things. Maybe not just perspective from three diehard pit fans, but <laughs> I think it's, it's, it is good to talk. I, I like when other voters talk to each other and we, the guy who votes in Pittsburgh right now is Jerry DePaula from the trip. And he'll, he'll ask our thoughts all the time. You know, wh- what do you think? And to his credit, he's been one of the first people to put pit on his ballot. And, you know, and we would ask him why he wasn't at first or why he does now. And I think it's good to have that interact, this, this mentality of it's like, no, don't look. It's, it's, it's not a test, man. Like, you're, you're also your answers are shared to the general public every week. So, like, we're going to know. So why not just talk about it and communicate? Because you might learn something about another team when you have the dialogue. And, you know, so the Loyal Suns might be my uh, information system for forget Ken Palm and net. I've got, I got John, David and Dylan. <laughs> Those are my three analytics machines right there. I can tell that we're going to be friends. Yeah. We're, we're going to lose Noah's AP vote. Before he gets it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to so fast. Gonna, yeah. Real quick. The, the loyal sons uh, analytics strictly off uh, our algorithm. No biases included does have pit at number one right now. Okay. Just, well, yeah. Interesting. It also has uh, UPJ at number two and Ohio University at number three because we are true homers. Okay. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. I mean, great. Ohio, uh, great. Uh, great Halloween. You know, they just got an Aliquippa kid to go there. I can get behind. Ohio. That, they did. Yeah. Yes. Donovan Walker. Great kid. Great family. Um, they were in the tournament a couple years ago, I believe. Right. Then they have that kid who like. Jason Preston. Yeah, didn't know how to play basketball or something and got really good all of a sudden. He was uh, on his local community college's C team. That's right. And tried out for OU and made it and became the star. But I'm, I, for for Dylan and Squid's sake, I'm not going to w- walk you down I was going to say, as a, yeah, as a we, former we roommate of David's, I've heard this story upwards of 100 times. But g- go for it. 
No, 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 no. It's I fine. feel it's like fine. I got the gist. Like yeah. I, I remember yeah. it. You know, it was a cool story. Wasn't as great as you know Mountain Union basketball sweet six, sweet sixteen run during the pandemic year. They're actually they number wrong. eight in our poll. Yeah, they are. Where mm-hmm. are they at? That's that's there we go. You want to really yeah. get my AP influence? That's that's how yeah. you do it. You go right to Mount Union. They're number they're number eight. Um, I think we have IUP at fifteen because my dad went there. I, we're it. very loyal. We're the loyal sons. I mean, I we're, agree. You're you're yeah. not you're not. Well, they're the, actually the really good. Sons. We're the cheap and when it's convenient sons, according so my, to some of my our followers. thing is this: it's it's ironic that you change your name to the Loyal Sons because weren't you guys capable faithful? And then you lost. All right, this is where the end, this is where the conversation capable. ends. All right, thanks. Okay. Oh thanks man, it's weird. I hit the end recording button. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got we've gotten chirped about that a couple. <laughs> we've gotten chirped about that a couple times, like. Oh, real loyal, the cable faithful guys. He changed their name when Pitt started losing. But you know, I I would argue that uh, this turnaround would have never happened if we stuck with cable faithful. As I, I, time, so. Listen, you you asked me if it was me, you know, coming on the beat and Pitt started doing well. Maybe it was. Weren't you the loyal sons in twenty twenty one? That is correct. That yeah, well, the real story so is flip the switch. There were discussions of changing it whenever we talked about our podcast. We're like, well, we're going to talk about football too, so we should probably make something universal for all sports. Mm-hmm. And then Pitt lost the opener. Was that to the Citadel? Yeah. And we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I just tell people it had nothing to do with uh, Capel's record. It's just that the Loyal Sons is an objectively cooler name than Capel Faithful. Yeah, that's the... It's in the fight song, right? Hail Loyal yeah. Sons of Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. Dylan's going to say it at the end of the show. There we go. I'd argue it'd be cooler if we kept Capel Faithful throughout all of this, but... I, I think that, no, like, With 20 years from now... If you're that guy. 20 years from now, like, the the listeners are going to be like, I was I was on the wave back when it was Capel Faithful. Like, I... I, I like that's going to be like the hipster thing. Like, Oh, you like loyal sons name three, name three songs from their first album. Like that type of thing. <laughs> like they were capable. Of, yeah. Since the cable faithful days, baby. That's good. That's good. I've been a Not- follower since those days. I've been, I've been on the bandwagon from day one, maybe not day one, but early. Like I, I think I was like pre 2000 followers. I was in on it. I'm going to ask Dylan as a pop quiz. Do you remember what our first tweet was about? You don't yeah. need to name like the actual context, but do you know like the circumstance? Yeah, I do. It was a uh, a meme about Gerald Drumgool committing to Pitt. Wow. Through the roof. Wow. How did, how did it work out? Uh, Gerald Drumgool now plays for Albany, who I think has like six wins this year. Yeah. Getting excited about high school recruits as I've I've come to learn <laughs> with this program is maybe not the best idea. It seems like that might not be a problem with this upcoming class, but in recent years. I've wasted a lot of feelings on <laughs> kids who fizzled out at like FCS programs or yeah. or were buried on the benches of larger programs. But this recruiting class, no Criminal records, no. all really good. Not will to be my good. knowledge. Won't transfer to South Dakota State, and they'll lead us to the promised land. I, I, I'm. Cool. We were at, so like on a serious note, we were talking about what next year's team will look like, 
on the ride home today. And it's going to be interesting because I think talent-wise, I don't know if there's a big drop-off at all. Assuming if Dior and, and Hughley both come back, which everything that I'm hearing, I think that that might be the case, um, which is big, right? And you get Dior back, you get Hughley. I don't know where John really fits in with how well Fetty's playing right now uh, and the style that Fetty plays, but I'm sure Capel can figure out a spot for him. And then I think Dior is probably a more natural guard than or naturally talented guard than anyone on Pitt's roster still. And it's just, what's the chemistry like with, with these talented young kids coming in with a guy like Dior, with a guy like Hughley coming back, not saying that any of them are problems or anything. It's just, you're losing four players, but all four of them are like leaders, just, just real glue guys, just locker room experts. And the fact that they had four of them this year, I think really, really played a big factor in this team having such great chemistry, being able to play together so well. So while I do think there's a very good chance that Pitt basketball could be more talented next year than it is this year, who's the leader on next year's team? Is it Blake? Maybe. I don't know. I, 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 I'm I, interested to see what Blake Henson will be like as the old man in the locker room. Is it? Do you go get someone else from the portal? And how many, how many times can you really rely on finding a guy like Nellie Cummings and that working out, you know, and building in to a chemistry that's now it's, it's, it's already been built. It's already been established. So how will that work? I, I I'm really interested to see because the talent's going to be there next year, but I, I don't know who the leader is and it'll be fun to watch. Well, we're definitely going to have to have you on before then to give the full preview once the dust settles with the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we, we see who comes and goes uh, because NCAA basketball year, 2023, there's going to be movement, but uh, yeah, we're, we're very hopeful for the future and, uh, and we're definitely going to have to have you on to preview uh, next season and, and really get into the weeds on this. After this year's Elite Eight run. After this year's Elite Eight run. I'll keep the brown blazer back in Brookline, fellas. I'll make sure it stays home. Awesome. Well, Wait, are you in Brookline? Yeah. I literally just moved here last week. Oh, my guy. We're, we're neighbors now. Let's so go. We'll make things even easier. There we go. Dylan, drop your new address for everyone. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> yeah. Guy. Great. Well, well, no, we, we really appreciate all your time. Um, this was awesome. Loved every second of it. Uh, leave the brown blazer at home and uh, and go to Denver or Orlando and bring us home a national championship. It's an uh, order. All right. I'll do my best, Coach. Hey, guys, I just want to say thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun um, to your millions of listeners. You know, don't take anything I said too seriously mm-hmm. or – you know, anything like that. We're just having fun here. We're just chopping it up. It's in, it's, it's been really cool covering this beat. I hope you guys enjoy all my coverage. Awesome. Well, yeah, we appreciate you coming on though. I think you earned some brownie points with pit fans as well. So win-win awesome. uh, for everyone. So as always, man, appreciate it and hail to pit. Thank you again to Noah for joining us. Uh, really insightful. Really, really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, we spent about an hour after we stopped recording, just shooting the shit about pit football and pit basketball and sharing stories. So he will definitely be back on the show to uh, 
to catch up again. Um, but before we send it out for the afternoon, let everyone get started with their weeks. Um, Squid, Dylan, some final thoughts. I wanted to give a shout out to Alderdice High School winning yet another City League title in basketball. Coach Crummy has them rolling. They're definitely one of the best teams in all of Western PA this year. Uh, they have a good chance to make a run in 6A. So the game was held at the Cooper Fieldhouse down at Duquesne. Pretty beautiful new facility. I know we don't uh, talk too much Duquesne on this podcast, but for for what it's worth, the games there are probably better suited for high school championships are probably better suited for that arena than the Pete because the Pete can't really fill it up. Uh, 12,000 seat arena. Only one team in the city can fill up the Pete and that's our Pitt Panthers, but uh, pretty cool environment. So congrats to them. Obama runners up. A lot of guys I've coached play for both those teams. So awesome to see uh, some really good city league basketball today. Love to see it. Uh, Dylan, you mentioned that only the Pitt Panthers can fill up the Peterson Event Center. Um, and my final thought is that we have a sellout coming up on Saturday. Uh, we won't, you won't be hearing from us before then. So I, I just wanted to get the message out now that I'm putting it on the Oakland Zoo to really go all out. This is a big one, if for no other reason than the head coach of Syracuse accused Pitt of buying a team and we cannot let such a thing go unpunished. So we need big cutouts of Jim Bayheim or the Monopoly man print fake money with Jeff Capel's face on it. Um, signs of Jim Bayheim picking his nose, just really get creative with it. Yeah. Um, you guys are college kids. You're young, you're creative. You were built for this. The house is going to be rocking. Please make this the second worst night of Jim Bayheim's life. You remember that one Steven Adams cut out where his arms can move? They had like the little hinges. I think we need one of those with Jim Bayheim, but it's his finger going up his nose, just up and down, up and down, like right behind the hoop for all the free throws. I'm putting it out there. That is any zoo listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you were in the zoo and listening, please, please make it happen. My final thought. I mean, today is, what is it, February 19th? I golfed 18 holes today. It was actually beautiful. I used some brand new golf balls with the pit logo on them. I only lost two out of the three, so I consider that a success. They did not have hot dogs at the turn, so that was disappointing. But Ooh. aside from that, I cannot complain. What a day. Yeah, gotta love uh, unseasonably warm days, even, you know, with the implication of the death of the planet or whatever. But hey, I'm really happy you got your golf in. Yeah. Sh shout out to global warming. Been clutch this year. Yeah, pretty huge. Hi. All right, well, that's, today. <laughs> that's today's show. We're tired. We're coming off a pit loss. Uh, we didn't tomorrow's, have our... tomorrow's Monday. We didn't have a love for the intro. We should have said, if you love global warming and hate rap <laughs> shows. If you love glue. Yeah. Yeah. If you love global warming and hate ref shows, this is the place, this is for, the you. place for you. Yeah, we're just big global warming guys.
huge. Go pit, I go Exxon. Lit a couple tires on fire outside my house today. Perfect. Doing right. my part. Well, as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.